Good. That was good. God bless you guys. Um, I, I just want to just start by really echoing something, you know, the stuff that Dave and uh, Bethan shared about this season of prayer at the end of this month um, leading into June. R- really just to ask you to put some stuff in your diary because I don't want you to miss out. So, you know, things like the 8 and 8, praying for 8 minutes at either 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. That's, that's just a great thing to do. Um, I think there's a prayer for revival on the Tuesday morning. Our monthly prayer has moved to that Friday that week. Uh, the all-night prayer vigil has moved that week. And then there's the bow-down prayer out on Felton Green. That, please don't miss that. Um, if you don't think your knees can take 15 minutes kneeling, that's fine. Bring a cushion with you. Sit down. Picnic rug out. Or stand. But do come and join us for that. Um, and then the Thy Kingdom Come evening of prayer and worship on the, I think it's the 10th of June. Uh, we're hosting that for local churches around here. It's going to be um, a great evening. Now, I want to let you into a secret this morning. Um, and many of you will have heard of Pete Gregg. Pete Gregg was in the video there. Um, he leads 24-7 prayer globally. Um, he, he is a really good guy. He spoke at this church about a year ago it was now. Um, he's coming back, which is great. Uh, Pete Gregg is coming back to, to um, be here on an evening that we are hosting on Tuesday the 10th of September. So more than just put that on your diaries, let me tell you about it. In part, it's an event that we are hosting here as Pete um, promotes his new book. It's a book called How to Pray, A Guide for Normal People. That is a good book on prayer. I've read lots of, lots of books on prayer that have made me depressed. This one will help you. So he's coming to talk about that. Um, it's hosted here. The tickets are £3 each. But if you then buy one of his books, you get £3 off. So that's a good deal. Now, it's being promoted by Canaan Bookshop in Staines. We're running it. We're hosting it for them. They're not going to start publicizing it for a couple of weeks. Basically, you've got a head start just because I love you. <laughs> so get in in a month, riversidevineyard.com forward slash Pete Gregg. You'll find the booking up there. That's the booking page. Uh, we'll send out a, late, a link later in the week. Uh, please don't miss out on that. Second thing to let you know, um, if you've been around, you'll know that we have a missions partnership with churches in Bulgaria. Um, at the 9.30 service, we prayed for NASCO, who leads that partnership, and also for Rob, because they're going out to Bulgaria this coming weekend. Um, and so I would love you to be praying for them, and I would love to lead us in a prayer right now for them. So, Lord, we thank you for NASCO and for Rob, for uh, the leadership that they bring, for their uh, generosity in giving up time. Uh, to go and visit this weekend. And Lord, we, we thank you for the wonderful people of Bulgaria. Uh, Lord, we, we are so enriched by being in relationship and partnership with them. And Lord, we ask that this coming weekend would be one of those moments of just blessing released from heaven uh, to, to NASCO, to Rob, um, and to the churches that we partner with. And we pray that it would ripple out, that your kingdom would ripple out from those communities of faith to impact the nation of Bulgaria. So we pray for traveling mercies, and we pray for the grace of your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Okay, these are bags of rebels. Okay, uh, these are made by Mars. These are courtesy.
of Mars um, because one of our congregation works for Mars. Have you ever played a game with these, which is a little bit like Russian roulette, but less lethal? If you, the, the, the game is this, because there are six flavors in this bag. There is orange cream, there's raisin, there's toffee, there's Malteser, there's chocolate, and then there's coffee, <laughs> which statistically is like the bullet in Russian roulette. So, I'm, I'm going to, because I'm, I'm feeling generous this morning, you know, the, sitting near the front of a church service is always a good thing, and this is another reason why. So, dip your hand in, pass these around, w- would you, I'm going to just carry on talking, but if you find a coffee one, could you just wave, don't spit it out, because that's, that's, that's not a good thing. Um, talking about risk this morning because you're going to dip your hand in and you might not get the one you want. Life is full of risks. You know, you can be just walking down the road, can't you? That, that, is, that carries some risk. Um, before the job I've been now, I worked in the pharmaceutical industry, I worked in a biochemistry lab. There were risk assessments everywhere. Many of you will work in working environments where there are risk assessments. You know, some of you, they, they sort of started in the construction industry, understandably, but now they are just everywhere. If your kids go on a school trip, the chances are you sign a piece of paper because they've done a risk assessment. For us as a church, part of our annual um, reporting to the Charity Commission is that we have done a risk assessment. We have to do one for all of the stuff that we do here. But I don't know whether you've noticed this, we live in a very risk-averse culture. People are trying to manage risk. But the thing that I've observed is actually you can't. You can't manage all the risk out of life. You know, if you are a parent of children, have you tried to stop your kids climbing trees and doing stuff that are risky? Because you can't, can you? You just can't. And then, you know, when your kids get old enough so they start going out on their own or then they go off to college or something like that, you definitely can't manage risk for them. There's risk. So what is risk? Risk is defined this way. Risk is the exposure to the chance of injury or loss. Injury or loss, the risk of that. So, you know, all of us, we we face some risk. If you cross a road, you might get injured if you do that, if you're unlucky. But few of us here will encounter that loss or that chance of injury or loss for our faith. Very few of us will experience that. You know, around the world, it is very different. According to the charity Open Doors, around about 245 million Christians around the world are persecuted for their faith. But risk works out for them as a possibility of sustaining injury because of their faith. We might not experience that, but I want to suggest that for many of us, it looks like loss. You know, risk for us may be the loss of control. You know, there's an unpredictability when we take a risk. It might look like a a loss of comfort. We all like being uh, comfortable. Risk means that we become less comfortable. It might look look like losing anonymity. You see, if you take a risk and blow your cover at work that you're a follower of Jesus, you have lost some of your anonymity. It might be loss of reputation. It might be a risk of failure, that that's a loss that we encounter through risk. Exposes us to lots of chances of loss. 
how many of you like losing things? Not many. Most of us do not like losing things. And so that is why a culture becomes increasingly risk-adverse. And so there is a real possibility and a danger for us that in a risk-averse culture that we become increasingly cautious and unadventurous. And that means that we don't experience all that life has for us. And spiritually, I believe that we miss out on the adventure that God calls us into when we say yes to him. The adventure of seeing sick people healed, of seeing blind people see, of seeing good news shared, of seeing lives and communities transformed as God moves in. We we will miss out on seeing miraculous provision released into our lives if we don't take any risk. So I know here this morning many of you have said yes to Jesus. I believe that being a risk taker is one of the ways, the primary way that the kingdom is released in and through your life. For others here, you may not have yet taken a step of saying yes to Jesus. You are incredibly welcome here today. I hope that as we talk about adventure and risk, you find it helpful in the place where you are in life this morning. So over these next seven weeks, we're going to be looking through a series which we've entitled Risk Takers. And we're going to look at different stories in the Bible, but several of them are from the life of Elijah. He's one of the great Old Testament characters. That's where we're starting this morning. If you have a Bible, um, could you turn to 1 Kings chapter 17? about that far through a paper one, fairly close to the front of the Old Testament. Uh, You might have a tablet or a phone. The words will come up on the screen in a moment. But before we get to the story, I would love to pray for us all that we would grow as risk takers. Wherever you find yourself in life today, I want to pray that we would all take a step forward over this season, that risk would be activated more in our lives. So you might want to Hold a hand out in front of you. You might want to place a hand on your heart, but it's just a way of saying, Jesus, I want more. So, Lord, thank you for this season that you're inviting us into as a community here. Lord, a season of adventure. Lord, we want to grow as risk takers. Lord, we want to experience every ounce of life that we could possibly experience. We do not want to miss out. And so, Lord, I want to pray that by the power of your Spirit, you would help us. Lord, that where we have become more cautious and unadventurous, that you would free us. Where a risk-averse culture has got any hold of us, we ask that you would deliver us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, 1 Kings chapter 17. Let me just give a little bit of context. This was set while a guy was Ahab, a guy called Ahab was king of Israel. If you want to know a little bit about King Ahab, turn back about three verses. 1 Kings 16, verse 33, you will find this. Ahab did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings of Israel before him. He was one bad man. Verse 1 of chapter 17. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, this really bad guy, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. That is a risk. That is a big prophetic word to share. Verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn 
eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have instructed the ravens to supply you with food there. Big risk. Ravens are not known for sharing their food. Verse 5. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. Now, just so you know, Zarephath is near the coast. So if you're Elijah, you've been in a brook being fed by birds, you're probably thinking, thank goodness, beach holiday, here I come. You're getting your swimmers on, this is looking good. Go at once to Zarephath. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. Not good news. Widows didn't have resources to support themselves, let alone anybody else. Beach holiday looking looking less good. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I might have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So she's depressed. she's She's in a low point. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. This is another risk. Can you imagine the reputation which you'd have if this didn't work out and actually what you've done is taken the last meal from a depressed widow? This is, this is, it's another risk. Verse 15, she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of oil was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. You know, I, I love that stories like this are in the Bible. I, I love these kind of stories. It's, it's got a certain kind of craziness to it, hasn't it? Just sort of, it's just sort of, it, it stretches our minds. You see, I think it's easy to think when we read a story like that, that my life is nothing, nothing like those people's. You know, uh, most of us will probably not have an experience of being fed by ravens. Many of us, either personally or someone we know, will run out of resources. Maybe before payday. Maybe something will happen and we've just run out of resources. Many of us in life will find ourselves in dry desert places, either emotionally or spiritually. And we will be wondering when the next moment of refreshing is going to come. Many of us will have had an experience and will have an experience of God speaking to us for somebody else. And then we're faced with that question, what am I going to do? Am I going to share it or just 
forever keep wondering whether or not that was the Lord speaking. What are we going to do? This widow, I think, has something of a mental health crisis. She's hit a very low point. And the statistics tell us that 25% of the UK population this coming year will have some kind of episode of mental health illness. 25% of us. And so a question that that raises is, you know, will I get through? Will, will God provide resources for me to get through this? You know, counseling, medicines, divine healing. Will, will, will something be released to me in order to get through this situation? And underlying all of this, I believe we're faced with a challenging question, and it's this. Will I try and sort things out for myself, or will I take a risk that God will provide? What am I, what am I going to do when I'm faced with different situations? Will I try and sort it out, or will I trust? Will I take a risk that God will provide? And that's what I want us to think about this morning. I'm going to share four things from this story, but they're also a foundation for our whole series. You know, I want us as a community here to, to grow as risk takers. And I believe these four things will help us to do that. So how can we grow? The place where we need to start, I believe, is where Elijah started. He was about to share a very tricky prophetic word with a bad king. Verse 1, as the Lord, the God of Israel, whom I serve. Or literally, that last phrase means, before whom I stand. That's what Elijah is saying about himself. Risk takers start in God's presence. Everything good starts in God's presence. We grow as risk takers as we stand in the presence of God. You've probably heard this question before. If you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? Have you heard that kind of question? We've used it a lot around here. You might have you know, come across it in sort of a, a coaching environment, in, in the workplace. In other words, what risks would you take if you knew that you couldn't fail? For the Christian, I believe that there is a belief that should underpin our answer to that question. And the belief is this. Jesus loves me. Just underpinning how we think about that question. This belief that I can't do anything to make God love me more, and I can't do anything to make him love me less, because Jesus loves me. How does that make a difference? It's when we think we have a prophetic word for somebody, and we've got that nudge from the Holy Spirit, and we, we respond to that nudge, and we share that word, and whether we get it right or not, it's okay, because Jesus loves me. We encounter somebody who needs healing. You know, they're, they're hobbling around, or their arms in a sling. And we, again, we respond to that nudge to pray. And so we've, we've done that. And then whether or not they get healed, it's okay, because I'm standing in the presence of Jesus, and Jesus loves me. We feel called to start a new business or you, you feel like the Lord talking to you about changing where you work, what you do for work, maybe taking a lower salary. And you, you've talked to some trusted friends, some trusted Christian friends, and they said, no, I don't think that's a bad idea. I don't think you're being crazy. I don't think you're asking God to bless your stupidity. 
So, you, you, okay, I feel like God is speaking to me. So you take that risk, knowing that whatever happens, Jesus is going to look after you. Why? Because Jesus loves you. That underpins our lives. I know for, for us as a family, just around the time that we had our, our first child, our daughter Ruth, um, we wanted to try and find a way uh, for Bethan to give up paid work. In other words, to work at home rather than in some other environment. And that doesn't work for everyone, but that's what we wanted to try and do. And we, we looked at our household budget and the maths, it just, it just didn't add up. But we took a risk. And Bethan resigned from, from her job in other, in, you know, to, to take up other gainful employment at home. And within a very short space of time, I think it was a couple of weeks, I got a large and unexpected pay rise from the place that I was working before that. Now, hear me clearly. It does not always work that way. But I believe that Jesus will always look after us because he loves us. As we stand in his presence. Now, in this story that we read about Elijah, he stood in God's presence and God spoke to him. Because God is always wanting to speak to us. This, isn't, this is an unusual thing. He always wants to speak to us. And you see some of the things that God told him, God told Elijah to go to the ravine. Verse 5, so Elijah did what the Lord had told him. In verse 9, the Lord says, go at once to Zarephath. Verse 10, so Elijah went to Zarephath. What does that tell us? I believe it tells us this. I believe that there is only one biblical response to the Lord's voice. Yes. The Bible only gives us one option. And risk takers say yes. And they do so quickly. You see, if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've given your life to Jesus, what you have done is that you have said yes to Jesus being Lord and King of your life. And so when he speaks, the only correct answer is yes. See, if we say maybe or no, let me just interpret what we're saying. What we're actually saying is, I have chosen that I am going to be Lord and King over that thing and not Jesus. Because if we've said yes to Jesus being Lord and King, the only available answer becomes yes. And so we're in exam season right now. Some of you are parents of kids in GCSEs, A-levels. You might be sitting them for yourself. Think of it like a multiple choice exam question. Jesus has spoken to you. Option A is yes. Option B is yes. Option C is yes. And option D is yes. Which one are you going to choose? All of them. <laughs> The answer is yes. The answer has to be yes if Jesus is Lord and King and he's speaking to us. It has to be yes. So God has spoken to us. We've said yes. What next? Let's look at the story of Elijah and the widow. There's a few things that happened in their story. The first is this. God told Elijah to go to this brook. He said yes. And then in verse 16, you find, verse 6, you find that raven room service turns up. And the ravens deliver bread and meat both morning and evening, and there is water for him to drink. Second thing you see is that God gave Elijah this prophetic. 
prophetic word for Ahab that there would be no rain. Elijah says yes to delivering that word. Verse 7, there was no rain in the land. Third thing, through Elijah, God gave very specific instructions to the widow that he met. She said yes. And in verse 15, God multiplied the oil and the flour. My point is this. Once we have stood in God's presence, once we have heard God speak to us, once we have said yes, we then need to stand back and let God be God. That's what risk takers do. They do what they can do, and then they let God be God. You see, so often God invites us to take the next step. Let me give you some examples. Maybe in the area of praying for the sick. You're in your office tomorrow. You're in your workplace. And you're having a conversation and the person says, my back is really bad. And you have one of those Holy Spirit nudges. You know the kind of one that says, you need to pray. You, you, you know what I mean. You know, just that kind of that uneasy. You need to pray. And so you respond to that. You say yes. But I want to humbly suggest this morning that when you have that experience, you can't heal anyone. You see, you're standing in the presence of Jesus. You're hearing him speak to you. You're saying yes to that invitation. And then you've got to stand back and say, God, I cannot heal this person, but I know that you can. So I want, I, I'm going to let you be God because I am not. And we stand back and see what Jesus does. Maybe it's in the area of uh, you, 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 you're sensing to take a risk into a new venture, maybe a new job or something like that. And you've heard Jesus speak to you. You stood in his presence. You know that, that whisper of the Holy Spirit. And you have said yes to that. You then have to stand back because you cannot miraculously provide what only God can provide. You have that nudge of a, of a prophetic word of knowledge for somebody. Maybe this morning you look around and, and the Lord catches your attention with something and, you, and you're hearing him speak and you said, yes, Lord, I, I'm, I'm going to share that. I, I, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to share it. And you go and deliver that. You can't make it happen. You have to stand back and let God be God. You see, one of the things that I'm trying to get better at in my life is standing back and just seeing what Jesus does. Because when I do that, I love it. Because you know, what Jesus does is always beyond our expectations. It's what Paul writes. He says that, that, that God does more than we can ask or imagine. That means that we can have all of our dreams and we can think we've, we've dreamt as much as we can possibly dream. No, we haven't. Because God will do more than we can ask or imagine. There is an expansion. And actually, one of the things I believe that Jesus wants to do with a bunch of us today is to disrupt our dreams. By which I mean we've dreamt this big, but there is more coming because Jesus always does more than we ask or imagine. We stand back and we let God be God. Last thing I want to share this morning, what I found is this, and what we see in the story that we read, is that if we want to grow as a risk taker, hang around other risk takers, because risk taking is contagious. Can you see that in the story here? The first half of the story that we read, Elijah goes and takes a series of risks, and then he meets this widow, and he invites her to take a risk. Verse 13, he says to her, you know, he calls out afterwards, he just asked for a drink, and the widow's probably thinking, I've got away with it. He didn't ask for the last bit of food that I've got. I've got away with it. And she's turned around to go home, and, he, and Elijah says, actually, 
I want a loaf of bread as well. And she thinks, oh, no. That, that was what I was going to have with my boy before we die. And now you're taking that away. But he says to her, go home, bake a loaf, give it to me first, and then the supplies are not going to run out. And God bless her. She didn't have very much in her hands, but what she did, she took a risk with. She gave it to God, trusting him to provide for her. And one of the reasons I believe that she does that is because risk-taking is contagious. She caught something off of Elijah, who was a risk-taker. And she got kind of wrapped up in that swirl of risk-taking. You see, if you want to grow as a risk-taker, hang around people that are taking risks. You know, as I look back into my life, I've learned to take risks in praying for the sick through hanging around people who just kept praying for the sick. And so, Valerie was here at the 9.30 service this morning. As I think back, I have learned so much about taking risks in praying for the sick through hanging around people like Alarine. Because if you know Alarine, you will know that she will pray for anything that moves. Anything. She'll pray for it. And so I remember the early days that we were around Riverside, hanging around people like Alarine and some others, and we caught something. Because risk-taking is more caught than taught. We're going to you know, talk through some stuff in the next few weeks, but we catch it. And you catch it by hanging around people who are taking risks. You see, I believe that Jesus has amazing, and amazing adventure and purpose for every one of us. And I want to suggest this morning that if your spiritual life feels a little bit dull, it may be because you haven't taken many risks recently. It may just be that. If your spiritual life is highly exciting at the moment, good news, there's even more. There's even more for you. You see, God calls us into an adventure as risk-takers. And we say yes to that adventure with confidence because Jesus loves us. And if you don't know how much Jesus loves you, take a look at the cross. Because there are arms open wide saying, I love you this much. You know, from the east to the west, as far as you can imagine, arms wide saying to you and me that we are loved. That we can take a risk, we can live a life of adventure, because whatever happens, Jesus loves us. And so, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you this morning, say yes to adventure again. Say yes to more adventure let the love of God propel you and compel you into the amazing life that God has for you. Don't miss out. I believe that God has an incredible life for every one of us. And the regret is if we get to the end of our days and we say, if, if only. That, that, I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my days and say, if only. I, I want to have gone on all cylinders and lived my life of adventure with Jesus. If you've not yet said yes to Jesus, today is a great day to say yes to a life of adventure with him. And so I would love to pray a prayer that's actually for all of us, that is a, that is a prayer that says yes to adventure, yes to the fullness of life that God has for us. So can I just invite us to bow our heads this morning? And say, so I'd love to pray this for all of us, but it includes... Um, those here this morning who've not yet said yes to Jesus, you may want to um, take these words and make them your own in your heart as a way of saying to Jesus that you want friendship with him, 
that you want to live the fullness of life that he has for you. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that even when I was far from you, you took a risk on me. That you came to this world, that you died on the cross so that the fullness of your life could be released to me. That you took a risk. And and Jesus, I'm sorry for uh, the times when I go my own way, when I when I take back control, when I try and sort things out, when I live life on my own terms. And Jesus, I'm sorry that I, that I miss out on the fullness of what you have for me. And Jesus, I just don't want that to carry on any longer. I want to live the fullness of the life that you have for me. And so Jesus, I... I I turn away from trying to sort it all out myself and I turn to you. And Jesus, I open my heart to you. Jesus, I want to know just in the depths of my being how much you love me. That the whole of my life would be rooted and established upon your great love for me. So I want to pray that I would know that more today. And so, Jesus, I open my heart to that. I open my heart to your love. Come and fill me. And Lord, I pray that you would activate something in me that propels me into the rest of my life of incredible adventure with you. Lord, I don't want to live a cautious life. I don't want to live an unadventurous life. Jesus, I want to live life to the full. As you said, I could. So I say yes to you today. In Jesus' name. Amen.